There's so many ways of bringing in front of us opportunities for change and for to choose to make higher choices in the play of in the play of evolution, the play of maturity, the play of seeking and finding the real self. There's so many opportunities, and maybe not be blind. To seeing the the grace in everything, there's grace there. When you don't see the grace, then it becomes disgraceful for you. There's no one in life who has been cursed by life. It's just somehow how we use the mind. In the life, there's only one thing you must master, and that is your mind. You don't have to master anybody else. Anything or any living being, if you can master yourself, master your mind. We have a program called Mastermind in England, but it's not mastership. It's not mastering yourself. Mastermind means how much how much stuff you can know in your head. They call mastermind. But mastermind can either be mastermind, which means the self. The master mind will only be the pure self, or master your mind, which means the same thing: to be to find yourself. Master the mind is not really even necessarily to overpower the mind, but to understand what it is, and to see it as the lesser, because you can live without your psychological mind, but your psychological mind cannot exist without you. And to judge which is the greater. <clears throat> and to make your stand with the greater thing. Normally, as you as you get older and more mature, you will need friends less, as a natural thing. But if you can do it when you've got your youth, you've got your strength, and you have wisdom with you to understand that you know life is not just about making friendships. You know, friendships can be there. The whole world can love you, and the whole world can hate you, and inside it makes not really that much difference. This is strength. This is strength of character. I remember a story I used to tell, and it was like in a small village. An old woman had reached the age 130 years old. She had reached the age of 130 years old, and uh, the local newspaper decides to do a feature on her. You know, Mrs. So and So has reached 130 years old. So they send out one of their young little reporters. You can handle this story. It's an easy story. Mm-hmm. This lady is 130 years old. Bring us back something interesting. So the young man arrives in the village, 
and they are celebrating, the village celebrating, this lady is 130 years old. And then he found her sitting by herself. Everybody's being merry, talking, drinking and stuff, but she's sitting by herself. And he says, You know, hello ma'am. I'm the local reporter and I just want to make something to put something in an article about you and congratulations for being reaching 130 years old. It's amazing. She says, Okay, thank you. She says, Actually, I've not done anything. <laughs> then he says, um, What is the best thing about being 130 years old? She says, No peer pressure. <laughs> no peer pressure. Meaning that peer pressure means people of your old, your same age, who want you to do the things that they do at that age. She has no peer pressure. <laughs> Maybe now she now she can just be by herself and just enjoy it because nobody can say, be like us. There's nobody around to be like us. <laughs> You can do that without getting two hundred and thirty years old. Who is the one who can be without peer pressure? Who is the one who can be free in your own town, in your own village, in your own city, amongst your own people who have known you for a long time? Who is the one who can be without peer pressure? Without cultural pressure, without family pressure, who is the one who can do that? Is it possible? Because for some people, it's easy to be free in another person's country, in another country, in another town in your own country, but not your own town, amongst fathers and mothers, but not your own father and mother amongst young people but not your siblings yeah but who can be free in that place and how to be free in that place you have to go beyond you because if you don't go beyond you everybody owns a piece of you Everybody owns a piece of you. I remember Papaji talking like that and saying, you know, from your child, somebody said, This is my baby. <coughs> then you have brothers and sisters that say, This is my brother, this is my sister. You are somebody's my, my brother, my sister. You go to church, the the the, the preacher says, this is one of my congregation, even. When you work, they say, This is my employer, my employee. That is. And somebody, this is my friend, you're my something. You're sick, the doctor, this is my patient. Even when you die, somebody is going to say, Okay, this is my corpse. We are, we are the, we are the, the funeral servants for this one. You see. So the best thing is come out of that one. 
How are you going to come out of that one? You have to find the one who is nobody's father, nobody's husband, nobody's wife, nobody's mother, nobody's daughter, nobody's employer, nobody's employee, nobody's servant, nobody's master, nobody's congregation, nobody's believer. How are you going to come out of this one? You have to find the thing which doesn't have any label. And then somehow, when you find that thing, let everybody have the rest. They can have the rest. And nobody can have you. Nobody can have you. First, they don't even know who you are. Even your parents don't know who you are. Because nobody knows who you are. To know who you are, I have to know who I am. When I know who I am, I know who each one is. If I don't know who I am, I could love you with all my heart, I still don't know who you are. You could be my child, have my same nose, same face, same complexion, still don't know who you are. I only know who I take you to be. Who can know what you are, who you are? Only the one who is free of the idea they have about themselves. Only such a one. And most people are afraid to go there. Most people are afraid. They want a little bit of freedom, but their mind tells them, I want all the freedom. But in actuality, they don't want. They don't want all the freedom because it feels like it's too much of a sacrifice, too much of a gamble to give up this local identity, which anyway you can't keep, and which is always changing, whether you want it to change or not. Everything that you can perceive phenomenally, it is subject to time and change. One day you wake up, I look at my fingers one day, and say, Oh my God, my fingers have changed completely. They're not the fingers I used to remember at all. The fingernails, they seem shorter. Something is, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> huh? The way you think is different. Different things, it's just changing. Who can stop it? And even if you could stop it, so you can't change, it's still horrible. It would be horrible if what belongs to be changeful could not change. Even if you had the greatest smile in the world <laughs> and you couldn't change, it would become the most horrible thing. Can you imagine? So the thing that has to change, it has to change. To try and interfere with what is changeful by nature, to try and prevent it from changing, creates monstership. So, you have to find a thing which cannot change. But it's not a phenomenon. It means naturally it cannot change. It cannot grow old, cannot be stale, 
It can even be called fresh. It's beyond any any category, any title, any label. Nothing can touch. Only when a human being finds this, somehow their whole being exhales completely, and it's not dead. Something happens in you where your eyes, your senses are working perfectly, but they're not working for the person anymore. And they're working for the Supreme. You see things with much more clarity because you see them without investment. When you see something with investment desire, you cannot really see it. You only see your desire. When you have no desire, you can really see. When you don't want a thing, you can really see it. You can maybe even fully appreciate it, because you can walk away and not carry it with you. So like this one comes really internally to become very silent, effortlessly silence. Because you're not even someone who wants to be silent. So therefore there's just silence. Silence and yourself they feel like the same thing. Peace and yourself feel like the same thing. Compassion, understanding, joy, wisdom, freedom. All becomes other names for what you are. Now the mind cannot comprehend this because it says, "But without all these things, you are dead. You're not even reacting." Yeah, he said, "No, reactions happen, but I am the perceiver of them. I cannot say I am reacting. Reactions are taking place inside me." I perceive them more clearly than you perceive when you say, I react or I did this or something. But the one who feels, but all these actions are simply taking place. I cannot say that I do them. I'm aware of them. It's a very, very different experience. What power can convert words into life force, into life? I can feel the spirit in them, not just the, not just the mental meaning of them, not just the conceptual meanings, but they have soul power. When you yourself are that soul power, And the thing is, you don't have to go anywhere to find and be that soul power. You don't have to. It's not in some other place. You can't say what it is that that yearning must arise in you. 
well, that curiosity must be there to to be open at least to the possibilities to not narrow yourself and this is why often i say use any concept but don't lock them don't say this is mine then use every anything then it won't it won't become some uncuff it won't become some prison for you you still like space but are you able to appreciate and embrace and swallow this type of instruction so that it becomes you or do we keep it just in the head as merely thought that you say yes i agree you cannot agree with truth you can only be truth you cannot even believe in the truth you can only be the truth belief in truth is just some silly kind of game it doesn't mean anything has no power and very often we seem to be so quick to dedicate to things which have no power at all have no power just some sort of fantasy or something they have no real strength no real depth and all the depth is in you the capacity the potential is already inside you are the greatest thing to study we are studying uh, transient things things that are perceived to be external studying objects and studying stones and trees and bits of earth and stuff like this but you don't study self you see A human being can make themselves their own study you don't even have to leave your room you begin to start not you cannot start just by study you start just by observing first start only observing like from scratch you know nothing at all just be quiet with yourself and see what you can learn some people have to do that if you imagine even though you're living in a city imagine that you're alone on an island because you can feel like that even in a city mm-hmm. you can feel like you're alone on an island you see and just that the only the only genuine thing you can discover is to observe yourself and don't ask how how don't how how just sit down some place glass of water and keep quiet and just begin to notice don't try to change anything or fix or collect just notice and something will begin to pull you in that is the mystery of the human being we have not learnt the value of our own self you're trying to study another self but you have to study your own self the great masters all the wonderful gurus in the world they were only telling you study your own self study your own self not like oh i am unique self but you have a sense you're here if we say you can study something you don't need no tools you don't need any books 
You don't need no computer. You don't need a phone. You don't need any money to study yourself. The other things you'll need something for them. For yourself, no. Only the urge is necessary. And what amazing discoveries you'll make. Sit down by yourself and look at what comes up in you by itself and determine whether you can be this thing or not. That is the most simple study. Anything that you perceive, any thought, any feeling, any sensation that occur to you, look and say, Can this be what I am? And I will tell you that whatever appears, it cannot be what you are, because it comes and goes, and you are the witness of the coming and going of it. And let us see how quick it takes you to cover the universe, including this body, including your thoughts, emotions, conditioning, education, all of these things, you look upon them. See if you can claim them as you. And if you cannot, then reject them. And then see if that which perceives everything else, if that can be found. That is a simple way. Sometimes, when we are left just to ourselves, and we are a bit afraid of any sense of authority or something, but if you had, if you were compelled to do this, then you'd be grateful for being compelled to do it. You see, if you were just left to do it, you probably won't do it, because we are so habituated to give attention to all manner of silly things. You'll prioritize things which have no longevity, have no real meaning, because it is our habit. But if you had to do it, this is why sometimes it's important to have someone who will tell you, No, today you don't do this. Today you sit inside this place here and you contemplate this. And I'll see you at five o'clock. I want to look in your face. I want to see what you have found. First, I'm going to look at you and see if I can see that you found. Then you tell me what you found. But if you are left to yourself, well, if you are interested, you will do it. Then you probably will not do it. You will, did, you will do what you did before, and before that. If I tell you this thing here, I remove all the labels, all the symbols, and I give it to any one of you. Go and find out where this is made. 
and see if the last touch was made by machine or by man. Find exactly the factory where this thing was made from, this particular one. And I give you three days to find it. In three days you will find it. If you had to. In three days you find out. And this doesn't really have anything to do with you. It's not an organic part of you. Now I ask you, find out if you are the one you think you have been all your life, or something different, and find out what that is. I give you half a day to do it. Find out who lives here. Find who lives here. Whose address? Whose house is this? Who lives inside this one? Is it one or two or three? Is it male or female? Does it have religion? Can it be introduced? If you had to find this out, I wonder who would who would not find it out. Sometimes the most powerful you're going to be is when you absolutely don't know anything. You don't know anything, you don't know how to do, how to do anything. And then you have to find the most important thing in a few hours. Be completely confused about who you are, what is going on, what is your life, because nothing from there is going to satisfy this question. And you have to find what exactly is living in here. And you who will find it is what? Is it different from you, that which you will find who lives in here? What is that? <clears throat> yeah. If you are asked a question like that, and it was presented to you as a question of life or death, you will be not. You will not be any more powerful, any more alive than you're going to be in the next few hours when you're completely lost. because all your old knowledge won't do. And you have only got to find and be one with that which is alive in this, in this body. You know why? Because no other kind of question, any other thing becomes foolishness for you.
what you're going to have for dinner, who you're going to meet next week, and your parents are coming on Sunday, all these things become meaningless for you. You have to find out who you are. Whose parents are coming on Sunday? You have to find another subject that fascinates you like this, if you can. Can anybody find a subject that can fascinate you? Not titillate you, but fascinate you, that is as engaging, as potent, as auspicious, as powerful as the search for the truth of of who it is who dwells inside this body.